Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, and that is my lovely wife, Liberty. And we're a married couple with vastly different interests. Through the news in books and sports, we'll try to convince the other person to come to our side. Which we all know, as today's episode will state, it is the sports side, which is the right side. If you say so. We have a weird bit of news in the NHL, and a new team, the expansion team, has been announced for the 21-22 season. Yep, we're definitely releasing the Kraken. Oh god, that's ridiculous. That is the worst team name I've ever heard in my life. I don't know. I, I'm still a believer that the Golden Knights is the dumbest team name. It sounds like a high school team, whereas at least the Kraken, like, I could kind of see that being, like, a professional sports team. They might as well be the Seattle Spaghetti Monsters. Like, it's that ridiculous. <laughs> but they released their team name, their colors, and their jerseys this week in partnership with Adidas. And I know the name sounds really dumb, but the jerseys look really good. I'm not sure I like their colors because it's two colors of blue and then red. It so, looks a little ridiculous, but I do like the way the S is like a tentacle. Yeah, so it's it's definitely, it's like a gray blue is the secondary color, which probably isn't the craziest choice in the world. And I watched an interview with the person that designed basically the jersey and all that stuff for the organization from Adidas and worked in partnership with the organization to completely finish developing it. And he originally had developed it without the little red eye, I guess. So it was just the S with the colors. And the owner's like, there's something missing. And it's this little red blotch right there right. above the edge of the S for the eye. But, you know, the internet took to a storm with making fun of it, just like they did with the Golden Knights. You know, you saw, I, I saw a drawing of Trogdor, which is like a silly dragon from, like, God knows what. I don't even remember, but they, I know that my friends in high school used to draw this, the dragon, and the S is so closely similar to it. They're like, here, just add these three parts, and then you have Trogdor instead of the Kraken. And I'm like, oh my I have oh my no goodness. idea what you're referencing, but the expansion team is going to have to pay a $650 million expansion fee. Did you read about that? I did not. That just seems like a lot of money to just be able to be added to the league, so I don't know where that's going to come from. But you got to think with the Seattle fan base, just they've always been very attached to their team. So I don't think it's going to be a problem for them to make that money back up by any means. Right. Well, obviously, the money is going to have to come from investors, firstly. And then once the team's actually rolling, they'll start to make money back, I guess. Yeah, it'll pour. And I feel like it's going to be kind of similar to how Vegas more or less responded with the Golden Knights it's new to the city, but I think they're going to respond well and fill the stadium. Yeah. So, as well, too, they have announced their stadium name as well. I don't know that I put that down here in the notes, but they, they're going to be a completely green stadium is what they're coming up with. So, like, when it comes to energy efficiencies, it's going to meet the current green standards. So, it's going to be one of the first stadiums in the NHL that's going to be capable of doing that. I know a lot of stadiums are working towards that right now, but they're going to be one of the first in the NHL to do that. It's going to be called the Climate Pledge Arena. That kind of makes sense, considering they're trying to be a green, right. green company. I think that's good. I think, you know, when it comes to these leagues, you've got to consider what their carbon footprint is as a whole, especially considering the teams go from city to city as is required through the scheduling, and they have to get there somehow, usually planes. So it makes a lot of sense to try to at least make your arena a green arena so that... You can kind of make up something. I don't know that they'll ever make up, but... It, 
will decrease the carbon footprint for that team in particular, which would be nice. Yeah, and kind of tied to that news, obviously they're not going to be starting next season. It'll be the 2021-2022 season that they actually make their first appearance in the NHL. Yeah. So they still have about two years to kind of put together all the pieces that they need. The expansion draft next year hasn't even been mentioned at this point, so... I don't want to go through what I went through last time, so let's just talk about something else, because I'll get emotional. (laughs) All right, well... Let's just stay on the topic of the NHL. There was a lot of information this week. It took me almost three hours to write up the notes that I had for this. I'm trying to deep dive and make sure that I have all the information that I want to for the week. Um, the NHL released their bubble plan. I love that that's what they call it, their bubble plan. Well, they are going to be in a bubble. Yeah, it makes it sound like they're going to be running around playing with bubbles, to be completely honest. but With the way the NBA bubble is working, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, it's literally like summer camp for grown adults, it yeah. seems. It sounds like there's going to be a lot of... Of food choices and things to do in the bubble, which kind of scares me, given the fact that that's way more than I expected. I really don't want that many people in contact with each other when you're trying to play through the playoffs. Yeah, so part of their plan is every player, team, staff, event staff, and hotel staff will be literally tested daily with results within a 24-hour period. I really hope that's not the nose one, because doing that every single day for like two and a half months sounds disgusting. Yeah, that was like my thought, so it's almost as if like you have the chefs, like I feel like the chefs and the like waiting lady staff would be the ones that would probably struggle the most with it, because it's like, are they really being paid enough? Right. To cover the the horrors of having something jabbed up your nose every every twenty four hours. Single day, jeez. I think, like you were telling me the other day, the league is gonna make a lot of money off of the playoffs. So you've got to think that they have to. They just have to pay these people well enough to make it worth their while. Yeah, and so the two bubble areas will be completely fenced in. So there will be no outside people other than employees of the hotels and or restaurants coming in or out for the actual event itself. There's going to be 97 security guards and health ambassadors throughout the secure zones in Toronto and 125 total in Edmonton like for security. So they are definitely amping up city-based security for this event they do not want anybody that does not belong to be anywhere near the bubble itself right i am a little bit concerned about the fact that you have the restaurant and hotel staff allowed to go out because yeah it would really suck if you're one of those people to have to be quarantined so that other people can make a lot of money but at the same time there's a chance that they're going to come in contact with somebody get sick and then they're the ones handling the food or the cleanliness of the hotel rooms so it's like do i really want this person to be able to go outside and do things and get sick. Yeah, so the two locations built up more or less like miniature hospitals, like actual facilities to do these tests. Edmonton's is capable of doing about 900 at a time. And then when you look at Toronto's, it's a little less, but it's more spread out. So the they're not all crammed into like one hotel yeah. or two hotels in like a three block area like it is in Edmonton. In Toronto, they're only capable of doing about 800, so about 100 less. But the fact of the matter is that they could test 900 people at once. It's not like it's going to slow down their day, I would imagine, that much. Like you walk in and then just 
all right, cool, see you later. Like, we'll see, we'll let you know in 24 hours how everything works out, so. Yeah. I think I'm just still overly concerned about everything, or maybe I'm the right amount concerned and no one else is caring as much as they should. But having been through the actual illness that we're trying to prevent, I really don't think the league could recover in enough time to get through the playoffs if something did happen in one of these bubbles. Yeah, so we'll break down the details on the Edmonton facilities a little bit further. They are utilizing four luxury hotels, three of them which the teams will be staying in and the fourth where the media will be staying for the event. So they are keeping the players and the media separated hotel-wise so they're not coming in contact with each other. They, For the players, they're going to be staying at the JW Marriott, Sutton Place, and Delta Hotel. All these hotels are beyond nice hotels. I was dumb enough to do a deep dig to see what the inside of them look like and what the rooms seem to look like. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, a lot of them still have the, like, double queen rooms and things like that, like a normal hotel would have. Yeah. But, like, the restaurants and the dining areas and the bars and pubs that are all in these locations are really nice. So it's not going to be like a WNBA situation where there's, like, mice running through the laundry rooms and roaches in their rooms and things like that. Well, you gotta hope not. At the Edmonton facility, there's going to be 14 on-site restaurants, bars, pubs. They will also be adding food trucks and some restaurant pop-ups from, like, high-quality four- and five-star chefs. So it's not like the NHL is going cheap on this one by any means for the players. So if they're complaining about food, I swear I'm going to lose it because it's just like they're they're set up in Edmonton. They're going to have a total of eight movie theaters and dining spaces reserved for players. I don't know if they're going to be, like, turning, like, their normal halls that they would host, like, events and conventions in, more or less, into, like, actual movie theaters for them to sit down in. I imagine that's what they're doing. That's probably what they're doing, yeah. They also have a 24-team dedicated lounges, suites, and offices for teams to utilize in Rogers Place. So in the stadium where they're going to be playing all the game uh, games at, each team is going to have their own suite to basically hang out in and watch the other games if they want to That's in nice. between um, their actual games and practices. And there's going to be 13 dedicated workout facilities and practice ice rinks, so a total of 13 between those two. Yeah. So I would imagine they probably are going to have, like, two practice ice rink facilities and then the main rink at Rogers Place and then a couple gyms for them to work out in so the teams can work out separately from one another and not be, like, stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. In Toronto, they are predominantly going to be staying in two hotels for the players. The media will be staying off-site at a third facility. They're going to be staying at Hotel X, which, like, sounds like one of the coolest hotels you could ever stay in. We're not at, you know, any normal hotel. We're at Hotel X. Yeah. Um, They're also going to be staying at the Fairmont Royal York, which also sounds pretty bougie. It does a little bit, (laughs) I didn't get the chance to look at the Royal York, um, but the Hotel X is definitely a hotel that would be aimed more at, like, the younger players, I feel like. It's more, like, fancy and modern, not so much, like, the old-style fancy, which I would imagine the Fairmont would be considering it's called the Royal York, you know, after that. The Toronto facilities that are available, they have BMO Field, which is a football field for the Canadian Football League. They're going to be able to practice there, have outdoor time uh, away from the media and away from other teams. There's not going to be an ice rink there, so it'll be predominantly dry ground sports that they'll be able to play, I guess, like football or soccer or whatever it might be. They're also going to be utilizing the Jumbotron at that stadium to air whatever game is live currently, so they could hang out at BMO Field and watch whatever hockey game is going on. They also have four interior premium club spaces, 
boxes in restaurants in the Scotiabank Arena where players can go in between, uh, like leading up to their games if they want to get a snack before they go in or they want to watch like the leftovers of a game after the players just to kind of cool off and relax. There's also going to be 14 on-site restaurants, bars, and pubs. Kind of like Edmonton, they're going to be doing the pop-up restaurants as well. And then obviously some food trucks for the media to, you know, not starve on just only hotel foods. Um, what's weird is they also have eight tennis courts, movie theaters, and fitness facilities available for them in Toronto. I don't think I've ever seen a hockey player play tennis before, so that it was a weird addition. Like, when they put that fact in there, I'm like, cool, tennis courts, what are they going to do? Like, play tennis instead of working out like a normal hockey player would? Well, don't say that tennis isn't a sport, because it is. By no means am I saying tennis isn't a sport. As somebody who's played tennis in high school, I can tell you that it is by far also a sport. Yeah. I think this really sounds like a sweet deal if you ignore the part where you have to have something shoved up your nose every day. And it really does kind of sound like summer camp. Yeah. At the practice facility, the Ford Performance Center, they actually have 12 dedicated dressing and medical rooms. So that's where they're going to be predominantly doing the testing in those medical rooms. Okay. And as you, you had a fun fact about the cameras. They're upping the amount of cameras that are going to be in the game for the broadcasts and things like that. Yeah. So in a normal game, you have 20 cameras. And because, I guess, so that there's no fans, they've decided to add 12 more cameras. So you're going to be able to see the ice from more angles. I think that's going to be kind of cool for like the replay sake and then also for reviews for Toronto, let's be honest. You know, they, they could always use a couple more camera angles just to be a little more accurate than they normally are. And the fun fact that I enjoyed about this whole experience is that we're now going to have a five second delay in the broadcast, which I think is hilarious because even when I'm watching a game and I can't hear what the player is saying, I know exactly what they're saying by the way their mouth says the F word. And so it's not going to make a huge difference for me. I guess if you have, if you have children watching the game, that's going to be the main reason for it because you don't have crowd noise to avoid people being able to hear the crap you're saying. Yeah, and even times when there were crowds, you every now and again, if you had somebody with a directional mic aimed at the right player, you did hear sometimes what they would say. Right. Like, don't get me wrong, I've heard some profanities over the years on live broadcasts from the NHL. They're pretty good at catching it, but just like normal television, having that little delay, I think, isn't such a horrible thing. Like, yeah. I get the reasoning behind it. And um, they also decided to play crowd noise from the EA video game starting on August first and I just I I don't like this. I as a person, as I have discussed with you before, if I could just hear the game happen without the announcers, without crowd noise, that would be the best ASMR for me to be able to go to sleep at night. Just the sound of the puck on the stick or the skates on the ice, like I love that. So I don't love the the one chance I have for that, it's gonna be taken away by putting in all this weird crowd noise. So I'm sure because it's being broadcast by NBC and its sports affiliates that we would run into the same thing that they did with Premier League where the television broadcast is going to have the fake crowd noise, but then you have the option to go into the actual app and watch the game without crowd noises. Because they've been doing that in the Premier League as well. Yeah. As well to another weird fun fact, not really related to crowd noise. I don't know if you heard this, but they're going to be utilizing each team's own goal horns and celebration songs in the stadiums when no, they score. But that makes me so happy. So, you know, if your Penguins score, it's going to sound like a home game when it comes to the goal horn and the song that's going to be played. 
And for Bayern, or Bayern Munich, she's <laughs> cut that out. No, Holy keep crap. It. Keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> For the Blackhawks, that's why the B words got me there, I guess. But yeah. the, for the Blackhawks, you'll hear Chelsea Dagger obviously playing and our goal horn going off, which is going to be kind of a cool addition. I'm really glad that they decided to do that. It's going to yeah. be weird because it's like each team's going to have a home game, but. I mean, no one really has a home game, and I don't believe in the home game advantage anyway. So I think it's just going to be exciting if you're a fan and your team scores. That's all they're looking for. Yeah, but I think that's pretty much all I have for the playoff stuff. Obviously, I still have other NHL news, but that's the, the big stuff. Well, I have a couple things. So for your team, Seabrook's not going to come in for the Blackhawks in the postseason. Yeah. It's because he doesn't feel ready after his three surgeries he's had this year. Two on his hips, so one hip each, I guess, and a shoulder surgery that he had. Yeah, he was pretty beat up to start the season already, let alone when he decided to start playing at the beginning of the season. So there's a lot of speculation that he was already injured coming into the season, and hockey players will be hockey players that want to compete. Oh, God. And, you know, he he made the situation worse. So it's, it's tough to see Seabrook go. His speed has been dwindling, and I think it has a lot to do with injuries in his hips. Like, if your hips aren't working properly, your legs aren't working properly. Go yeah. figure. You know, and as a defenseman, a lot of the time you're turning your body facing wherever the actual play is going to be. So, like, being able to move with your hips is kind of important for the position. Well, and I hate that players do this. They think they're more valuable to play through their pain now and then not be an asset in the future versus if they just took care of themselves now, maybe be out half a season, maybe be out a full season, but then you're valuable in the future because you can continue to play despite the fact that you had to take time off due to an injury. And it just, that logic doesn't make sense. I understand that athletes are competitive and Obviously, that's why they're in this level of sport. It's because they've been competitive for so long. But you're not more important than getting healthy and being able to come back later. This season is not more important than your health. Yeah, and that statement truly couldn't be more important along with like concussion protocols and things like that particularly like you should never try to come back from any injury sooner than is correct you know yeah and speaking of concussion protocol we got Corey Crawford to come back well his wasn't related to concussions he had a positive COVID test right and then he couldn't come back till he had what was it two negative tests in a row correct Two negative tests in a 48-hour period. So he's going to finally come back, which is good, I guess, but I feel like he hasn't had enough time in the camps to really get his skates under him, as I say, because he's, what, a couple days into playing for you guys again, and we're going to be coming up to the actual elimination round in less than a week. Yeah, he's played in one of the inner squad scrimmages and two practices before that. So it's good to see him back on the ice, honestly. I think competitive-wise, like how competitive the team would be with him, I guess, is I think a better organization than it would be if we had Subban in that. But I've never particularly been a fan of Subban as a goalie, not even when he was in Vegas. So when we made the Leonard trade, I was like, that was the stupidest thing we could have done. We definitely could have found a better backup goalie somewhere for Leonard. But the thought of him being a starter, would we might as well just be aiming for that first round, first pick, you know, at that point, because it was bound to happen at that. I think it's just to, 
It's just going to depend on how your first two games go, whether or not you're going to have to play Crawford or Subban, because I feel like the smart move is to play Subban for the first game and let Crawford get more practice in before he comes into the playoffs or the elimination room. And then if that goes well, obviously you're going to play him a second time, but if it doesn't go well after that, I feel like you have to put in Crawford, whether he's fully prepared or not. Well, my dilemma truly is, again, my hate for Subban is my hate for Subban. I, I've never really liked him as a goalie, but I think when it comes to the rest of the team, they respond better playing for Crawford than they have ever done for really anybody but Leonard in the history of the organization. The defensive players play harder. The offensive players try to score more goals. It's just a different team on the ice. Even during the regular season when Subban played, you just could feel like there was just something missing from the ice at that time. Well, I would say that then you have a problem with your other players if they can't play as well for another goalie because let's face it, Crawford is getting older. Yeah. He's been with you guys for a while now, and that's why everyone loves him, but that's also a point against him because he's going to get replaced eventually, whether it's due to illness or just him getting older and slower or what. He's going to get replaced. Your players have to be able to play for whoever's in the net. It doesn't matter. Well, without a doubt, Crawford is definitely getting older, and the Blackhawks are building young prospects up right now in, in the lower leagues in the AHL. So it's it's not like it's going to be too much longer for him overall in the league, obviously. He has been concussion-prone, and he's been injury-prone over the last few years. Shoot, he hurt himself walking down a set of stairs from a concert one time, you know. So he's clearly an old man in the sense of how his body treats him when it comes to injuries. But I think for the best chance to win, having Crawford in the net is definitely the right choice. Again, Subban is, has been practicing well with the team. The coach has been saying good things about him. But you can even kind of tell that like he wasn't really 100% in belief that that was going to be the case. Obviously, the press wasn't allowed to know what was going on with Crawford yeah. due to the current CBA agreements. Well, and HIPAA law, but anyway. Yeah, but boards HIPAA doesn't really exist, let's be honest, to an extent. But when it came out that what was happening at the same time, the press ends up going like, hey, well, we knew Crawford was coming back. It was just a matter of when, so. I just, I think you're right that Crawford's going to be your best chance to make it through the playoffs, however far you guys can get. It's just, I still think your other players need to be able to play for whoever's in that, but that's just my personal opinion. And then the other drama for my team this week was Paves. Came out in the press that he voted no against the CBA to not play. And then he came out and was like, well, I don't know where you got that information. I actually voted yes. And then the NHL came back out and said he did vote yes. So it was just a little bit of drama. I don't know if it was like Chicago press or what. Like Your trying press to stir the isn't... Pot. Chicago's what? press is not good to any of the Chicago teams, if we're being honest. Well, so, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where that came from, but com- honestly, I don't think it makes a difference. In comparison, though, the way sports are taken in Chicago, it is almost like a second religion, even for the religious people in Chicago. So, like, I know it's like, oh, yeah, you know, don't put any other gods before me. I get that. But 
Slightly after is okay. Slightly after is acceptable in the eyes of Chicago sports fans. Yeah. So, you know, they want to hear every inkling of fact and or maybe not fact that clearly goes on in the sports world because it was eaten up. And then literally less than a day later, John Taves released a whole statement. I'm sure worked with the press team to make sure that it was like a politically correct statement. But he ended up coming out with it just going like the press was completely incorrect. I voted yes. The NHL also supports the facts that I voted yes. So, like, why are we even questioning it? But obviously there were a very small number of players that voted no on it. So everybody kind of wants to know, ooh, who was it? Who voted no? I gotta say, I don't give a flying puck why or who or whatever. Let's just get on with this week so I can finally watch some freaking hockey. Right. Obviously, you're saying that the EA uh, Sports NHL 20 game was going to include their noises in the games. The NHL 21 was pushed back. Oh, was it? So they're basically waiting to see how the playoffs play out and how the draft works out so that they can have the right players with the right organization come the start of the new season, which is when this game is supposed to come out for. Yeah. Well, we still don't know when the next season's going to start either. Yeah, there's been truly no announcements about that yet. The other big announcements of this week, it comes from a team that you are not the biggest fan of, the Philadelphia uh... Flyers. They signed Lindblom to a three-year, $9 million extension. So he's going to pick up about $3 million AAV. Um, the guarantee on it was $4 million, so he's going to get that up front. So he's going to get $4 million of the $9 million just for signing the extension. So I don't know who that player is, if I'm being honest. So like <laughs> that tells you how much I pay attention to them. He's part of their core lines. He's usually in the top one or two lines. I believe as a defenseman, I might be wrong. But See, like, you I don't know, know either. Is, but we tried to ignore it, the Flyers in this house. It was the big sign for the week. There wasn't really anything else going yeah. on. Something that I saw, I don't remember if you saw this or not, but there was a suspension of the Rangers player, Brendan Lemieux. I always want to say Mario Lemieux, that's wrong. Well, that's habit as a Penguins fan, I can imagine. But he's not allowed to play for, I think it was two elimination round games due to an illegal check that he did back in March on Junus Donskoy. Is that correct? That was pretty close. Yeah, well, I tried. But he's allowed to play in the exhibition games happening this week. And then when it comes to actual games that matter, he can't play for the first two. Which could be a pretty big thing. Like, Lemieux is strong third, fourth liner for them. So it could have an effect. But honestly, at the same time, that roster is pretty well loaded. The range right, is right. anyways. I don't know that it's going to have the biggest effect. Maybe you just lean a little more on Zibanejad and Panarin to play a couple more minutes on the ice just to make up for him not being there. Yeah, I don't think it's going to make a big difference, especially since it's just going to be the first two. If he wasn't allowed to play through the first round of eliminations or playoffs, whatever you want to call them. That could affect it. That would be a problem, I think. But you can squeak through two games with not that many players. As a Penguins fan, I can tell you that because we're always losing people due to illness or injury or whatever. Yeah, between you guys and the Blue Jackets this year, it's like you might as well have a year's worth of nobody available to play your games based on minutes. It was ridiculous. So I can say from experience that they can play without one player for two games. I still have two more pieces of 
news for the NHL. Islanders announced their stadium name. They're building a new stadium. Oh, yeah, I saw this. They're doing it just to get out of the situation where they constantly seem to be, like, tenants wherever they play. They're just renting stadiums wherever they're at, which, to me, just seems like a really weird thing for a professional organization to do. Well, but consider the fact that you have two New York teams. Like... You can't have, or at least before you couldn't, now you can, I guess, have two different rinks. But, I mean, I'm not surprised that they've been tenants wherever they've gone. If it wasn't going to be them, it was going to be the other New York team. Because no other, at least I don't think there's any other city that has two teams in the league. Not currently in the NHL. So... If you consider LA Anaheim, I guess, the proximity is there, but, like, that's... It's such a big area that I don't consider it. Yeah. They're close, but given the fact that you have to be on the highway for, like, an hour to get from one to another... God, I wish it was only an hour drive between <laughs> Staples Center and the Anaheim Pond. I was um, being optimistic, but yeah. anyway... Yeah, if you're lucky, it's two, two and a half, depending on when you're driving it. But it's going to be called the UBS Arena. It's currently under construction in the Belmont Park area of New York. I think that's Long Island-ish area, to be completely exact. I have no idea. But this is, what, a 20-year contract between them and the UBS? Yeah, and and it solidifies their home for a long period of time. Obviously, NHL teams technically all rent their arenas, but their contracts are for ridiculous sums of years, just like this in this instance. So it'll be good to see them get a new arena instead of playing in the Nets Brooklyn Arena, which, again, was meant... It was built to be a basketball stadium. Yeah. It, so there's awful seats all over the place for NHL rank. And the same thing can be said about Madison Square Garden. Don't get me wrong. I love Madison Square Garden. I'd love to go see a game there. But there are all sorts of seats that are considered obstructed view. Who the hell would buy a seat where you can only see a third of the ice? Like, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. And that's the predicament they were running into at the arena where the Brooklyn Nets play when they were borrowing that stadium. And the same thing at Madison Square Garden. You just run into those pickles where it's just like, hey, let me peer around this giant steel pole to watch the hockey game. Yeah, I wouldn't. And then the last bit of news that I have for the NHL is going to be they came out with the uh, Hart Trophy nominees. Obviously, we talked about the Ted Lindsay Award last week, and that is going to be the MVPs based off of player vote. And go figure, the MVP of the actual league decided by the NHL, the same three candidates. You have Leon Dreisaitl, Nathan McKinnon, and Artemi Panarin. So you're really not getting any difference between the MVPs of the league from the NHL's perspective as the players, which I guess really says something about those players. They're you know, not only respected by their peers, but also by the organization itself for being the best players. Yeah. I would want to see different players just so you don't have the same three, but if everyone's in agreement that these are valuable players, who am I to say anything else? I'm just excited to see if two different people win each one because you're like, you're the MVP of the players vote and you're the MVP of the actual league. Well, I think the league is going to go more on actual stats, and I think the other one is going to go more on how players feel about these players. Right, but I think that pretty much wraps up the NHL news. Did you have somewhere you want to jump off to for the rest of the sports news? I guess we could go with baseball, because they did come back and start playing this past week. Thank God. We've got, got another sport back, you know, which is one step closer to being normal. I, too, enjoy being bored on my couch for hours. Well, you know, I know that baseball is not one of your favorite sports. I can leave it at that. It's definitely not, I wouldn't even say in your top three, I would bet. Yeah. Though, a funny thing that I enjoyed reading about was Tom Hanks is going to voice vendors for, I guess, the Oakland Athletics? 
Yeah. He was apparently a vendor for the team in the 1970s, and he was robbed more than once, which I think is hilarious. That's Oakland. At that time, not that shocking. And apparently he was just a kid when he did it, and it's very funny to me that he is stepping into that role again virtually and doing some voiceovers for that. It's definitely interesting. So not only are you going to have fan noise, but you're going to have Tom Hanks going, get your hot dogs here. Yeah, so I think that's really funny. I think it just adds a level to all of this weirdness going on and just makes it funny. Well, I'm going to start with a little bit of news before we go into the actual games that started this week, if that's okay. Yep. It's just one little short one for the most part. The Blue Jays were homeless this week. They were not allowed. You make it sound so much worse than it is. They well, just had to decide where they're going to play. They had to decide where they were going to play and got rejected multiple times. So they were originally going to try to share stadiums with a couple different organizations. Each of those teams declined their offers to play their home games in the same stadium as another. So their first two home games are going to be played in Washington against the Washington Nationals. So they're the home team. Playing in an away situation. But they're playing the home team. So it's definitely going to be interesting. Obviously, there's no fans in the stadium, so it's not going to make a difference, really. Well, and I don't think that a home field advantage is a real thing to exist. But Most sports fans would disagree with you. but They can. That's <laughs> fine. But the Blue Jays did finally land on where they're going to be playing their games. They're going to be they playing... landed there because Blue Jays. Yeah. Um, they're going to be playing in Buffalo at their AAA affiliate stadium, Saline Field. So they're going to be playing on a much smaller stadium scale. But again, no fans. So is it really going to make too much of a difference? Probably not. They're just going to be playing in a smaller stadium. So the sounds will definitely be interesting for recording. I'm just excited to see how the MLB is going to figure out how to bring in an MLB broadcast team in a stadium that is not built for one. Right. The facilities itself doesn't even have the ability to set up cameras for the over-the-shoulder pitcher view that everybody loves so much. Oh, okay. So they're going to, I would imagine, erect some type of like stand for them to put cameras on so that the broadcasts mimic what everybody else is normally used to in the baseball world. Sounds like it's going to be a little weird. Yeah, we'll see what, how it ends up working out for them. But news-wise, that's pretty much what I have. There's not too much going on in the MLB this week other than games. I guess I have more MLB news than you do. I'm very shocked. Okay. So both of the news pieces I have come out of the Nationals. Mm-hmm. So there's Steven Strasburg, Strasburg, and he's been scratched from the start of the season due to nerve issues in his pitching hand. Literally the World Series MVP. And apparently he's getting shots right now as treatment for it, but no one knows how long this treatment is supposed to go on or when he's going to be coming back. But apparently he said that his hand goes numb which that's just a bad sign in general, whether you play baseball or not. And then apparently the area between his thumb and forefinger, there's something going on there with his nerves. It's kind of an important set of fingers to throw the ball, usually speaking. I think it's probably just overuse. You talked about him when he was younger. He used to pitch really hard. Yeah, at about the age of 14, he was throwing in the mid-90s already, which is definitely on pace to be a major league pitcher (laughs) for most standards. And it just, to me, it just sounds like overuse. I don't know how old he is, but he's been pitching long enough probably now that he's got some damage 
there. And he said he's not worried about it. I would be worried about it, whether I was a pitcher or not. But again, you've got these players who think that they're gods and they think that this isn't going to be a big deal. In fairness to when it comes to major sports athletes, they usually have literally the best doctors that money can buy. In reality, like I understand he's not too afraid of it. Having seen him play at San Diego State a number of years ago, the guy's a beast. Like He's going to come back from it. Now, whether he'll be 100%, that might be a little different. Well, and he's saying that he thinks resting it right now is going to be the best thing for it, and then he'll be able to come back sooner than if he tried to pitch while rehabbing this. So this is the first player I've seen who's actually doing what I think is correct. So I I can't antagonize him too much for it. Yeah, I can totally understand that. And the last thing I have for the MLB is Trey Barrera. Who knows if I said that correctly. Also with the Nationals, tested positive for steroids and he already went through the appeals process and that turned out not in his favor. So he's getting an 80 game suspension, which means this shortened season, all of it, he's not allowed to play in. Plus 20 games for next season, I guess, depending on whether his team goes into playoffs or not. But assuming that they don't, or they don't get very far, this is going to continue into the next season because of the shortened season. And he said that he's never done anything wrong and claims he's innocent and would never do that. And I think that's just what you have to say when you're caught in something like this and not necessarily the truth but I always assume the worst out of people anyway, so. And then we'll get to opening day. Thank goodness it's finally here. It was last Thursday. I'm over the moon that we're finally back to baseball. We have the Dodgers starting us off thanks to, well, they were the first team to technically complete their game all the way through because the Yankees beating the Nationals 4-1 to got rain delayed and rain delayed and mm. then rain canceled. So basically, hey, the game's over. That's what it is because it's a shortened season. They're not really planning on doing any makeup games, so rain is rained out. Unless the game hasn't started, they're not going to be doing makeups if it's more than five innings into the game itself. Oh, okay. So they're just, hey, it's been five innings, cool, game's over. The Dodgers did beat the Giants, though, 8-1. to one. Just a nasty blowout for the Giants. And then we'll cover the blowouts for the first week, which was obviously only Friday and Saturday. We didn't really go too deep into the to the season uh, in the week. But uh, it started off, sadly, with the Twins defeating my White Sox 10-5. to I don't know what happened to Giolito. He definitely did not show up to his ace standards. He gave up four runs in the first inning and another run in the second. But in the second, he did get his first uh, or his second strikeout. He had his first one to finish out the first inning. So he started to get into a little bit of a rhythm, but he ended up getting a total of seven earned runs in three and two-thirds innings, which is way too many runs in too short of a period of time. It sounds like your ace was wild. Yeah, you were waiting to make that joke. I was. You made it while we were watching the game and (laughs) have continued to just hold on to that one. The Red Sox, who nobody expected to be nearly as good without the, some of their stars that left this year, including Mookie Betts, defeated the Orioles 13-2. to They put up 10 runs in the third and fourth inning alone. So the Orioles literally just got beat up in those two innings by itself. Yeah. The Dodgers, the next day, being Thursday, defeated the Giants 9-1. to So they carried over the butt-kicking they handed the Giants the day before of an 8-1. to 
And they're like, hey, you know what? We're going to one-up that one. Just yeah. nine to one it. The White Sox did get their revenge Saturday. They beat the Twins 10 to three. We had two four-run innings with a total of five home runs in the game. That's a lot, right? Yeah. Larry Garcia hit two of them. He's a switch hitter, so he hit one from the left side of the plate and the right side of the plate. So he was able to hit one from both sides, which is even more uncommon. Yeah. You know, there's not really a whole lot of switch hitters anymore in the major leagues. A lot of the lower-level leagues are forcing players to commit to one or the other, unless you can pretty much prove that you're just as dominant in the opposite side of the plate. They don't like to let you do that, you know, in high school ball. Not really. And then the Cardinals defeated the Pirates 9-1, to and they did that predominantly in the seventh. The Cardinals racked up four of their nine runs in the seventh inning. Ouch. So, again, the team was beaten basically in one inning, more or less. It seems like the blowouts all were kind of like that this week, so... I do have a little bit more sports news, actually, as it turns out. It was a little further down my screen here. Miguel Cabrera moves into 30th on the all-time home run list. It was his 478th. He also passed Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr. into the 25th spot with 1,696 RBIs. So that's what he passed Cal Ripken in was the RBIs. He's currently 15 home runs behind the great Lou Gehrig and Fred McGriff and 21 back from cracking the 500 home run club, which is something that I think every power hitter dreams of actually making that club, being in the top group overall with that 500 home run club mark. And then a really kind of crazy bit of news that was shocking to me because it just seemed like it was so long between this guy's appearances in the major leagues was relief pitcher Daniel Bard. He pitched in his first MLB game in 2,646 days. He also picked up the win against the Rangers this week, which was his first win in seven years, two months, and 28 days. Wow. So kudos to Daniel Bard. Welcome back to the major leagues. That's one heck of a way to make a statement when you come back. Seven years and two months. It's just, that's kind of unheard of for a player to be gone from the major leagues that long and then come back and do it somehow. Was he just practicing for seven years? No, he was playing for minor league organizations. So just never got the call back up to the big leagues and then got his opportunity and absolutely dominated it. So That's good. Yeah. And then the big signing for the week um, in the MLB would be Mookie Betts. We talked about him earlier leaving Boston and being one of the reasons why nobody really expected Boston to be as big of a powerhouse when it comes to offense. He signed a 12-year extension. for a long contract, right? That really not that long in baseball terms. Like, you're seeing it more often. Like, Mike Trout got a big contract like that recently. A couple other players have as well. But a 12-year extension for $365 million base pay. So that's not counting the bonus structure where he could go into the $400 million range. Yikes. So kudos to Mookie Betts on that huge payday. You end up in L.A. and then you only have to play a shortened season. And they're like, we have only seen you play one game. Here's $365 million for 12 years. It just, it astounds me when I hear the numbers from other leagues because the NHL does not have that kind of budget. Right. It's just so ridiculous. But again, you got to understand it's obviously across 12 years, so it's not as large of a sum as like... It sounds good. Yeah, it's not like the Mahomes 10-year, 500-plus million dollar contract or anything like that. Um, Just hearing his contract makes me want to hit him. (laughs) I'm sorry. Maybe I shouldn't feel that way, but I do. And then the MLB announced one other small thing this week. It's the last bit of information I have on the MLB. I don't know if you have anything else after this. But nope. They extended the 2020 postseason to 16 teams. 
I was going to try to break down the way the playoff picture looks. But, but it makes no sense. It makes my brain hurt trying to read it. You know, maybe when they draw it out in a nice graph of some way, shape, or form, or like a bracket, I'll be able to grasp it a little bit better. But they are going to be having a best of three elimination for the first round, which... Best of three sounds so weird. It, it is very strange in the major leagues. It's always been five or seven. It's never been anything less. So the best of three series is going to be strange to say the least. I don't I don't know how else to put it. You have two bad days and there you Yeah, that's it. That's all it takes. But the next thing I have, I guess, be the NBA. I don't know if you have anything for the NBA. I just have the one thing and it's from the Houston Rockets. Austin Rivers leaves the bubble for a family issue. It's not specified what the family issue, but they expect him to be back in a few days, but that would require yet another quarantine because he's left and then come back. So he's going to be out for, I'm guessing, at least a week, maybe two weeks. Yeah. I think the NBA's status right now is going to be a 72-hour and two negative tests. So realistically, he'll be able to come back as long as he's able to pass those tests. Yeah. Well, I was just assuming with time to get where he's going, how long he's gone, coming back, and all that, so. And there were a lot of players this week that are getting punished for leaving the facility. We had a player that ended up going to, like, a strip club for some stupid reason. He was photoed with a rapper on Instagram. The rapper is the one that tagged him in it, and the NBA was like, whoa, gotcha. Yeah. Um... Is he getting fined or anything? The punishment hasn't come out for yet. I know he's going to be quarantined for a week is what they're requiring for him. Also, that's so stupid. Of all the reasons to leave, that's the one you're choosing to go with? Right. You have the internet. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. You have the internet. As well, too, this week we had the team versus team scrimmages, so it's not just internal team scrimmages anymore. You're seeing, like, basically shortened games with these guys playing so you're getting the opportunity to see some of these players actually start to play at their competitive levels versus the friendly summer camp vibe that a lot of the practices were taking place yeah and then the big news obviously the season starts this week on the 30th so we'll see basketball being played to qualify for the play spots at this point which is the only league that seems to be really doing that there everybody else is just kind of going straight to the playoffs well the nhl is doing that well, they're doing one scrimmage game, and then they're going to be playing actual playoff qualifying games. They're not like shortened regular games. They're almost considering them regular season with the NBA is what it seems. Oh, yeah. Well, they're doing eight games to sort of decide where everything goes. Where the last of the teams fall into spots, more or less. Yeah, so it's more as a seeding sort of thing rather than elimination sort of thing. So yeah. I understand what you're saying. And then the NFL is the next group of news I have, unless you have something else for the NBA. Nope. Nope. Well, the NFL, uh, big news broke yesterday. Breaking news sound effect there. The Jets traded Jamal Adams. So Jamal Adams is one of the top-ranked safeties in the NFL this past season and the season before. He was requesting a trade and kind of went the way of the Antonio Brown Like, I'm going to complain about everything until somebody trades me. Yeah. Stipulation, which is a little annoying. I'm sick and tired of players doing that. Like, I don't like it here, so I'm just going to be an absolute piece of crap to everybody and everything around me. And I think it's really childish that they're doing that. But at the same time, you can't blame the organizations for getting rid of a player that's that toxic. 
Yeah, no. I blame the player entirely. I understand not liking where you are and wanting to get away, but at the same time, your job is your job. You've signed a contract, that's on you. Right, so he was traded to the Seattle Seahawks for two first-round picks and a third-round pick, as well the Seahawks included to trade back Bradley McDougal, and then a sixth-round pick also went to the Seahawks with the with Jamal Adams. So, you know, I know you're not a fan of players for picks. I'm really not. But it seemed like to be a pretty good deal for the Jets overall. A, you get rid of a toxic player who's just destroying your your locker room. And then you're bringing in a very senior, reliable safety to replace that said toxic player who can help you grow your younger secondary that the Jets currently have with a little bit more experience behind them. And then they're getting two first round picks out of it for two years. So they're going to have the ability to bring in a player who is going to immediately help the organization. Over the next two or three years, it's going to be interesting to see what the Jets get out of that. And as the Jets have more or less been either the laughing stock or the mediocre team of the NFL recently, it'll be interesting to see how it kind of pays off for them as an organization to get rid of such a toxic player for good picks. I understand wanting to get rid of a really toxic player. I just don't think you should do player for prospects only because you don't know what that's going to lead into or if it's going to be worth anything at all. You're basically trading a player for an opportunity that may or may not pan out. And then Chiefs offensive lineman Laurent de Varney Tardif. Gosh, that's a mouthful. That does not sound accurate. It could be French of some way, short shape or form by the looks of it. Um, that first name definitely is, but go on. Yeah. He's the first player to opt out of the season. So the NFL announced how they're going to to players that opt out when it comes to payroll. They are sacrificing their year's outright pay, but they're doing stipends. So if a doctor or a team doctor of the organization comes out and says that for A, B, and C health reasons, you are at high risk for being coming down with COVID or ending up with a severe case of COVID-19, the NFL is going to pay them $300,000 for the year, which to you and me is unbelievable in comparison to what these players are making. It's chump Very change. Little, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, for my own safety, even if I had an expensive house, $300,000 would be enough for me to be like, cool, see you next year. Yeah. Well, um, we also don't spend risk. like football players. Right. So. And if you're deemed not a high-risk player, your stipend is $150,000. So whether you're a high-risk player or not, you're still going to get some form of money from the NFL for not playing due to your whatever reasonings you don't want to play for COVID reasons. Yeah. Which I think is good that the NFL is doing that. I just wonder about players who have significant others who are high risk, but they themselves are not high risk because I feel like that should be an option for the higher payer. Sadly, in the CBA that was agreed upon, that was not included. So, yeah. um, I'm not surprised. I'm just saying it's an angle I would have wanted. It just makes sense. And then the big news from last week that we didn't get to cover because it was in the process of breaking after we had recorded was the Washington Redskins are changing their name to the football team. They will always, to me, be the Washington no-names. Yeah, I like personally filling your name here. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Or hello, my name is blank, you know, for the name badges of the world. But the organization also did a press release this past week that states that it's going to take them anywhere from 16 to 18 months to complete a rebranding process. So they're going to be taking time to come up with a new name and obviously new aesthetics. 
I would imagine they're going to stay with the same colors because... Probably. It's easier that way. It's easier for everybody that way, for fans and so on. It just makes more sense to just stay with that. Now, is it going to take this long because that one kid picked up a bunch of names and... Not kid, adult, but yeah, he bought the rights to like all these websites and names and patented all these things. It's just a really childish thing to do, so I call them kids. It's, It's over 400 options that the Redskins could possibly choose. And the guy has made that impossible for them unless they pay him. Basically. um, I had a conversation with one of my managers about that this week in the store. And he goes, that is the smartest businessman I've ever met. And I was like, why? Because he's holding a whole city hostage for their organization for a payout? Well, I mean, they're probably not going to pick any of the things that he has chosen. Unless that is the only option. Because I don't know what types of names he picked or how he picked them or whatever. But you don't have to go with those choices. There are other things you could come up with. They could be the Washington Kraken. (laughs) I don't know that we need another Kraken team uh, necessarily. Different league that works. It was like your theory on uh, the Vegas Golden Knights being the Vegas Aces. The only dilemma with that was there was already a WNBA team there by the name of the Las Vegas Aces. Yeah, but this one's different cities. Yeah, I guess, yeah. This Opposite one coast would, too. It would work. Yeah. You can use that one, guys. I'll let you have it. Um, and then the weird news of the week. Uh, Mike Tyson coming out of retirement to oh. fight an exhibition boxing match against Roy Jones Jr. We're letting a 54-year-old man and a 51-year-old man box. Now, don't get me wrong, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., please don't seek me out and come give me a real punch because I cannot handle it. I just... That feels way too old. Like, I made a joke to you last night that they need to make sure to take out Mike Tyson's dentures before the fight because it feels like he should be that level of old. Right. And like seeing the videos that have been coming out over the last couple months of Mike Tyson being in peak performance and health ready to box is terrifying. Obviously, I haven't seen any videos of Roy Jones Jr., but clearly this was all part of the rolling up to hyping up a fight because people on the internet for months have been like, Mike Tyson needs to come back and fight somebody. Mike Tyson needs to come back and fight somebody. It's a PR move, definitely. And you find out that one of the companies that is sponsoring the event is in the process of making a 10-part docuseries about the two people training. So clearly all these videos that were being leaked out of Mike Tyson, this has been secretly going on behind closed doors for a while now. Yeah, it's been in the works for a while. They will be fighting on September 12th at an event space called the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California. Which is hilarious because I don't think either one of those people are going to walk out with their dignity or their health. Right. And it only gets better by seeing what the undercard is. Like, I'm excited to see this fight and it's crazy to me that, like, at my age and at his age, I'm going to be able to see Mike Tyson fight somebody in a boxing ring for multiple rounds, hopefully. Because I swear if it's like a one-round knockout, I'm going to be real sad. Well, yeah. Obviously, three years of difference in age isn't going to be that big of a difference. Having seen how good a shape Mike Tyson is in, I'm not concerned about it being like, younger guy's going to beat him up because, you know, don't get me wrong, Roy Jones Jr. is an amazing boxer of his time, like, was untouchable, nearly undefeated in his career. So, you know, it's not somebody that's unqualified to fight Mike Tyson by any means. Well, they wouldn't let him fight him if he wasn't also prepared because seeing someone beat up someone else for me is hard enough to watch, but imagining them being a lot older and doing that, especially if it's outmatched, I would 
not be able to watch that yeah. at all. And so they go to the younger people to fight in the undercard. So you have a YouTube star, Jake Paul, fighting a former NBA player, Nate Robinson. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that fight. Uh, obviously, Jake Paul has been doing a lot of these celebrity boxing competitions with other YouTube stars and things like that. So I'm not shocked by this. Like him and his brother have been one of the more prominent figures in these celebrity boxing matches from YouTube. There's a difference between celebrities fighting each other and one fighting an actual fighter. Well, and he's going to be fighting an actual athlete, too. Like, you're a YouTube star fighting an ex-NBA player. His cardio is going to be much better than yours. Well, I mean, you've got to think, he's got that engine so he can put in the work, whereas I don't know that a YouTube person is going to have that. Either way, it's going to be an entertaining set of fights. I'm really excited about it, which is so silly because, again, it's just like the unexpected announcement this week. Nobody expected it to happen. I feel like that's just going to be the way these sorts of fights go from now on, is you're going to have unexpected people fighting each other because no one wants to watch like a regular fight anymore. Right. It is what it is. I'm excited to see the fight. I think the docuseries will be really cool to watch. Yeah, just to probably. see see some of these older boxers training, getting back into shape for a really big fight. It's going to be interesting because that's really not something that really existed in the early era of boxing. You didn't see docuseries like that. Like the UFC always shoots like a little hype up video of like the players, like the actual players, the fighters training. So it'll be interesting to see a full docuseries about it. I hope it's Anywhere close to, like, the Road to the Stanley Cup documentaries they do. Yeah. Those are always so interesting to me, so I'm excited about that. The last bit of sports news I have comes from the England soccer world, the English soccer world. We're down to the last couple weeks and matches. Today is the final day of the Premier League season. Right now there's a couple games going on that are going to determine the last two Champion League spots out of the Premier League. They're still up for grabs, and there's also a Europa League spot still left up for grabs. It could be anywhere between five different teams that are going to end up fitting into those different slots. The That grouping is very, very tight right now, so it could three points could swing any team in many directions at this point. Yeah. And then, believe it or not, still the final two spots for relegation are still up for grabs. That's um, a little surprising. Which is weird because that's not... Like, one spot is normal, you know, at the last week. Championship Sunday, as they call it but it's very rare for two of the spots to still be available. It's going to be an interesting day. I know the news is going to break at some point probably tonight, so look forward to like social media posts or something along those lines related to it. And then the last bit of news is the FA Cup is going to be, the championship is going to be hosted on August 1st. It's going to be between Arsenal and Chelsea. Makes me so happy to not see Liverpool or Manchester City in these games. I'm really looking forward to it just because Arsenal obviously has a pretty deep team, including like Aubameyang, and obviously he's an ex-German league player. We always love to root for those guys. Yeah. And then you have a tough one because Christian Pulisic is also playing for Chelsea. So both ex-Dortmund players are going to be competing for the FA Cup championship. So... I don't know who you're going to pick. I I know that I'm probably going to get behind the American just because America, you have a pick as who you want to vote for or root for in that game. Probably Abu Yang. Yeah. You miss him? I do. Yeah. He was part of Batman and Robin. Yeah. It's going to be hard. To ever separate yourself from him. But other than that, I think that pretty much wraps up all the sports news I have, unless you have anything hidden and special lying around. Nope. That's everything. And thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check out all of our social media where we'll be talking about the latest news in books and sports. Yes, even books.
we also have a giveaway going on with uh, the social you? media as well, too. I almost forgot. So definitely check that out. Give us an ad, guys, because we'll be giving away some really cool book-related swag. Yeah, this week we've got five stickers that are we're going to put up for grabs. I think the end of the giveaway is going to be on August 8th, and we'll announce the winner that morning. So make sure you check out the social media between now and then. Other than that, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the book uh, podcast. Or just the sports. We'll see what happens. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.